Welcome everyone to Schrodinger's Tulips, a podcast that is both not reformed and not reformed at the same time. Even though, I'd like to say this, um, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, uh, not Corey Barnes, uh, Becca Phillips today, and I, I, I intro this as us being reformed, not reformed and not reformed at the same time, but I'm pretty sure the only reason you're not reformed right now is because I scare you into believing the same things that I believe. That is true. If I, um, just theoretically speaking, just, uh, you know, like, hypothetically, if I were to have any Calvinist beliefs whatsoever, you are the last person that would know about it. That's the last. The last. Yes, because I would strangle you and no one else would hear about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, also, but but we I think in some sense though we are reformed. Uh, the the Bible study that we do together uh, is in New City Catechisms, so that is a Presbyterian the Presbyterian Catechisms by New City. Mm-hmm. So so we're doing a reformed Bible study together, and independent independently you are doing the uh, Gospel Project by Lifeway, right? I am like I've just read the introduction but i guess that counts as there you go. yeah so you're like what 0.5 calvinist right now <laughs> by the time you get done with it boom there you go we could be the podcast that's both reformed and not reformed at the same time or like i alluded to earlier the podcast that's not reformed and dead at the same time dead yes uh, because i would be the last person now because i strangled you yeah that's that's creepy creepy joke mm-hmm. there we're gonna put down. We're gonna put down the internet anyway. Said so hopefully no one <laughs> listens to this. Oh, so on the other hand, something that we do want to talk about tonight is this: How long does it take you to get ready for church? Um, like seven minutes. Seven. Is that fair? No, that is definitely not fair. That is, <laughs> I feel like I'm that is, that is remarkably not fair. Are we counting the time that I do my makeup in the car? No, we are we are counting the time that it takes you to get out of bed to the time it takes you to stand oh, out that door. Are we oh. talking about like from when my alarm goes off the first time? Nope, we're talking about when your first first foot hits the floor. Yeah, then then I stand by that. I say seven minutes. How do we show up thirty minutes late for Sunday school? Because I don't get out of bed until after Sunday school has started. <laughs> so if we're 30 minutes late to church every day, it's because it takes us five minutes to get to church. It takes you 23 minutes to get ready. It, no, I my when my feet hit the I ground, it's usually you, 10 minutes after Sunday school. I promise you started. right now it takes you 23 minutes to get ready. It does not. I promise you. We're going we're gonna to time this. Okay, speaking of church, though. Uh, you might show up like the church every Sunday for a simple fact. You do not go to church in America for your, most of your childhood. Yes, that's that's accurate. Where did you go to church? Um, well, when I was seven years old, we moved to Azerbaijan and we had house church. And then when I was nine years old, we moved to Germany. And um, I went to an English-speaking church, but in Germany. And then when I was 11 years old, we moved to Cyprus. I went to uh, an English-speaking church in Cyprus that was non-denominational and had kind of um, a leadership of uh, of 
a committee of elders, and they each took turns preaching, so it was really different each Sunday. Um, <clears throat> then when I was 19, I took some time off school and moved to Dubai, where my family was at the time, and we went to uh, to church there. It met in in the conference room of a hotel. <laughs> Wait, a conference room of a hotel is where your church was? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, was there anything that these churches overseas had in common? Um, except for Germany, all of the none of them met on time. But I did not think about that until literally just now. <laughs> so, like, service starts at nine. You show up whenever. Yeah, that's how our church in Gentilly is, though. Yeah. Well, like, they oh, show ahead. they show up like after the second song. Like we we pack out in the back after the second song. Yeah, it, I I feel very much at home in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, okay, so so there is there the only similarity between them is they all met together. So we're gonna say that the church in Germany and the church in America and the church in Azerbaijan and the church in Dubai and the church in uh, Cyprus are all markedly different. Uh, from each other? From each other. Um, yes. Yeah, I would say so. Um, what of the churches, of the other churches overseas, especially the ones that you uh, went to after you got to your faith, what was some of the things that stood about stood out about the churches overseas that you liked? Oh, the things that I liked, there was a much, the sense of community was very different, I think, than you find in the average American church. Um, that was my experience anyway. I I would assume that comes from the fact that there are fewer believers overall, and Christianity is not a part of culture um, there the way it is in America. So there's um, there are true believers that are church members and involved in churches, but there's also um, a part of our secular culture. I, I'm, not, I'm trying to explain this right. I'm not saying it very well, but... Um, I think especially in the South, Christianity is just a part of secular culture. Yes. Um, like, like you hear those stories all the time about like the insurance agent going to church so he can get you know, more clientele, yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. Or it's the church that your grandparents went to and your parents went to and you go to. and um, It's almost more of a, um, a social club than it is. Of faith. Yeah, and or it, it can be. I don't want to make that broad assumption, obviously, but it is possible. It has happened before. Yeah, so I, and, and I think you alluded to it too. Like at home, it's like we go to church because our parents go to church, and they go to church because their grandparents went to church. But when you're overseas in a context that doesn't have the Christian church in the center of it. People were saying, I go to church because there is this guy who came and he was God and mm -hmm. he died and then he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. And I go to church to celebrate that. So that there, there's a marked difference there between like I go to church because my parents go to church uh, in, a, in a situation where church can be cultural to a situation where it's like I go to church because there's this guy named Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I just think it's, it's 
really interesting to like look at look at why do we go to church? Why is the point that we go to church? And I'm reading the book by N.T. N.T. Wright, Simply Good News, and you know he puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our God. Mm. I, I think that's interesting. So, what are some other things that stick out about these churches? Like, if you if you go to the church in Germany, did this? They went on finder tags, or <laughs> um, let's see. Well, as when when I lived in Azerbaijan, it was the people. Um, I say church; we called it house church. Um, that met. It was really just um, the missionaries that lived there. So. It would be literally my family, um, a single man, and um, I want to say one other family, but they didn't have kids my age. And we would meet and sing hymns, and my somebody would share a message, you know, um, because at that point you could not, um, it was not safe to meet in any kind of public place or to even invite people over to our house because word might get out that we were trying to do that. Um, now it's very different. Um so that was, I mean, that's church in Azerbaijan, pretty much just my family. In Germany, um, it was much more, culturally, it was much more like a Southern Baptist church uh, here would be, um, <clears throat> except that they had a lot of things like in English and in German. Um, there were some German families that went, some military families that went, um, and then just some people that were there for different reasons. But it was much more, like a much more set schedule, things like VBS and Sunday school curriculum, stuff that would be very recognizable in an American church. Cyprus, um, I, I loved our church in Cyprus. Um, and uh, <clears throat> it was so cool because it it was very transient. Like Cyprus is, um, Cyprus is an island in the Mediterranean Sea. Lots of immigrants and refugees coming in and out. Um, lots of expatriates or people that came for medical reasons and were only there for a few months and then left. Um, so church was like that. You would have people that were there for the summer, for holiday, and then they would leave. Or um, So it always looked different. Um, some people would be there for a couple of years. But, uh, and the same with the leadership. Um, and like I said before, they, there was a committee of elders that kind of shared responsibility for the church. Um, and so every week you would have someone giving a sermon, but they would be a different nationality, a diff have grown up in a different denomination, and the same with whoever was leading music. So you would have, like, an American Southern Baptist music minister with, like, a Scottish Episcopalian preacher one Sunday. And then it would, like, switch every week in, like, seemingly infinite, you know, different combinations. Um, so I just loved the diversity there and at the same time I was obviously a kid so maybe I just didn't observe it but there never seemed to be any huge disputes like everybody got along um which is just amazing to me like I've seen arguments in American churches over the color of the carpet um or what shade of white we need to paint the walls uh have have you actually heard arguments of this or do you like you know someone that knows someone that has <laughs> like like that was Going to a church where the church down the road split because of the color of the carpet, or was this like something um, you actually? Okay, said? the color of the carpet is just one of those infamous stories that everybody talks about. Like 
I have heard somebody tell a story about it, but they may have been telling it because they heard somebody tell a story about it. The color of paint, I have actually heard. I've been in that staff meeting. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that one was not a joke. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So in Cypress uh, Cypria Church, it was. I'm trying to remember what time it was supposed to start. I want to say like a, it was supposed to start at eleven. We didn't have Sunday school, by the way. It was supposed to start. Summers. Maybe it was supposed to start about 10 and it actually got... Anyways, sometime late in the morning, but it never started on time. And then um, it would go... It depended on who the preacher was. Like, if you had a Southern Baptist preacher, it'd be a you know 30-minute sermon you were out. Um, after a 45-minute worship session, <laughs> or whoever was leading worship. But the average service was like two hours long. So it would go pretty late. And then as soon as the service got out, um, this was on the floor of an apartment building, by the way. Like, they had knocked down all the walls and rented out the whole floor. And so, and it was a, it was essentially two apartments. So one apartment with all the walls knocked down was where we had um, the congregation sat and we had service. The other side, they had only knocked down some of the walls, so they worked for, like, children's church during the service, and then there was one big gathering room. Children's church? <laughs> yeah. I, feel like there's a, I feel like there was a podcast that we had about Yeah, it's this. vaguely familiar. Um, so, yeah, as soon as the service was over, everybody moved to the room next door, and we had um, tea and biscuits. Okay. Yes. Is is tea and biscuits like donuts and coffee? All right, because at Gentilly, at Gentilly we do donuts and coffee. Actually, we, we do, do yeah. we do donuts and coffee. Um, sorry, Herb. <laughs> no, it was like actual actual tea. Although biscuits. No, no. What I'm saying is like, is it the same feeling that you get oh, on your animals? Yes, yes, the same feeling. Okay. And they would serve this thing too, like for people that didn't drink tea or for kids. Um. And I'm talking about hot tea. I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, sweet southern iced tea. I mean, like, in a carafe, hot tea. Um, I think I think people <clears throat> not drinking sweet tea is the strongest case for total depravity I've ever Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you could make an argument for that. Yeah. Um, they also served this thing for the kids. Um, was, like, a fruit drink, but concentrated. So you would pour like half an inch into a glass and then fill the rest up with water. And it came in different flavors, lemon and orange. And then it also came in like rose water, which was kind of gross. Um, and you called it squash. <clears throat> so I'm not really sure. Like, I'm not sure why it was called squash. If that was the brand name or if that's like a, a British word that I never really learned why we called it that. But anyways, Squash is the best. Squash is the best. Okay, now let's talk about this. You you went to church, you went to all these wackadoo churches, and then you transition back to the United States, and you start going back to God's church. You start going to a Southern yeah. Baptist church. What are some of the transitions that happened to you that you weren't aware of? Or you weren't aware <clears throat> that you were going to have to go through? Okay, well, I will say it was a very difficult transition for me, and... A lot of missionary kids have that experience. Um, I don't want to speak for all of us, obviously, but I, I, I have heard that it's it's fairly common um, to be kind of disillusioned, um, or is that the right word? 
when yeah. you come back um, to American church. Now, for one, like I said, there's that strong sense of community overseas, and and there's also a sense of a missionary kid friend of mine described it as a sense of urgency to share the gospel, which I think is the perfect way to describe it. Um, people have this sort of, you know, like when you show up to church the first time, they're excited, like another Christian is here. You know, it's um, it's a big deal. Like you said, every people are there not because it's what you're supposed to do, but because they had some sort of radical experience with God. Um, and there's just this connection that you immediately have like you know Jesus too like we can we can do this together and then there's this sense of urgency we have to tell other people and for um sadly that's not common I don't think in American churches like it there's not this like deep bond that you feel with a visitor that comes to church. Um, and there's a there's a deep hatred you feel if they send the wrong seat. <laughs> if they send your pew. Um and then there's also not this like I guess we just feel like we have forever. I mean if even me, like I've I've been back in America for a long time, I get complacent. It's just easier to be complacent. Yeah. I um, get I like when you say like this urgency to share the gospel, like, something that happens to me even here, it's like, I want to make sure I share the gospel, right? Like, and I get mm-hmm. I get so scared about if I'm going to share the gospel right or not, that it will, like, restrain me sometimes from sharing the gospel. Like, yeah. does that make sense? Well, it does. And I will say there's there's obviously a big difference between how I would share the gospel in America and how I would share the gospel um, in nearly any other country, because... I feel like almost everyone in America has heard it before. Yes. Where so it you you need to present it differently to them because they have preconceived notions about Christianity. But you know, in the countries that I grew up in, it was often the first time somebody had even heard the name Jesus. So for you to be excited and to tell somebody about it was very different. Like I I couldn't walk up to somebody in New Orleans and be like, Oh my goodness, I want to tell you about this man. His name Jesus. And somebody would laugh at me like, do you think I'm an idiot? Of course I know who that is. You know? Um, so I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we don't have the same kind of urgency. Not not to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Mm-hmm. What is one of the most convincing things about the gospel? What, what is one of the more convincing things about the gospel that you can present to America that you don't have to worry about presenting overseas as much? Um, a presenting argument. I feel yeah, like this. Yeah. I feel like there's an answer you want me to have. No, no, I have an answer. There's a ton of answers that people say. Like, what, what would be convincing here that that you don't need there? Yeah. What? What? Or yeah. If you're gonna say we well, have to present the gospel different, what? What is the way that we present the gospel different here? Yes. Uh, ooh. Um. I think it it often has to be. You often have to um, make an intellectual case here. Yeah. And uh, depending on, like, the countries that I lived in, that it was much more of, like, this is my, I've had a personal experience. Um, and I don't know if that would work as well here. People would just think you were crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I, I often say that, uh, you know, presenting this idea, and this is probably because I'm a history major, the historical reliability of the New Testament 
I think that, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good a good place to start. Like, if you believe in history, well, there's this guy who did something that in history that changes a lot about history that we know. Uh, but as you said, like overseas, I don't I don't know like to to an extent I don't know how much I'd have to say. Listen. We we can trust the book of Matthew and Mark because we have so many copies of it and we have these copies of these copies and we can see that it's not I can see overseas that it being a little bit different. Like, hey, I have this king and he like radically changed my life and he changed my life so much that this this white person is coming up to you mm-hmm. like stopping you on the streets and telling you about it. Okay, so we transitioned into American church. Um the, the urgency to spread the gospel was one thing that was different. What's another thing that is different? Um, American churches are much more polished. Like, there's there's much more of a set schedule. Um, <clears throat> there's um, a, a more set budget. Staff meetings. Staff meetings, exactly. More money is spent on stuff. That was, um, that was probably the hardest part for me like seeing money spent on things that um that I felt like were were unnecessary um so like I I showed up um 18 fresh from Cyprus and uh uh went fresh to fresh off the you mean you mean uh Cypria occupied 30 no no I do not that, y'all, is a story for another day that John Robert and I will not get into right now. I lived on the southern side. I guess we are going to get into it. I'm just I'm the southern side of the island, which is the Re- independent republic of Cyprus. Yes. Stolen from the Turks. Oh, my goodness. No. So, <laughs> I show up from the independent republic of Cyprus. And um, I go to what, to me, was a mega church. It was a church with average attendance, like 2,500 people on a Sunday morning. And um, they they have, like, I mean, a, a choir bigger than the size of the church that I came from, a building that is magnificent, um, soundboard, that lighting. Like, they literally had light effects that they changed once a quarter, like, I'm not technical enough to know all the words, but anyways, they had you know filters and junk, and um and junk. I think <laughs> filters and junk. I think junk is the right word. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean it was just like everything looked new and bright and shiny, and they like they would have little video clips that would like play. Oh, they had a countdown to when the service started. I just felt like I was on a TV set or something. Um, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. I'm just describing what, what me as an 18-year-old, like, why this was difficult for me. Any one of those line items on a budget could have, like, fed a family. You know what I mean? So even though it, that's just what I saw, and it was, it was very difficult for me to, and at the same time, like, that very polished schedule seemed very insincere to me and um, felt like it didn't leave a lot of room for the Holy Spirit because <laughs> uh, I had come from a church that was kind of charismatic. Um, and then, you know, the fact that, that it was only an hour long and people were, like, eager to get to lunch, 
like church was an inconvenience um, and the fact that some people didn't seem like they were there because they wanted to, they were there because you're supposed to go to church on Sunday, um, that there was no, like, no, no uh, deep sense of community like I had experienced. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it just seemed very, very shallow, very self-indulgent, um, very insincere. And as a result, it was a, a very rough transition for me going to American church. I church hopped. I didn't go to church for a long time. Um, I got real bitter about church. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was frustrating. I'm, I'm a huge church hop <clears throat> now. Since we've been together, we've been at, what, four different churches? Um, one, two... Uh, I'm trying to think of where we went when we first started dating. Southside? Yeah. Yeah. What was after Southside? Southside, Riverview. Oh, Union yeah. Union Hill, Gentilly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we're still church hopping. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say, like, as um, as God worked on my heart, um, I learned some things from that experience. I obviously don't think the answer is to stop going to church. Um and I, I think that any church you go to is going to have things they need to work on and things they're really good at. And I've also come to understand that ministry and outreach in America, because of the culture, has to be different. You know, Cypriot Church wouldn't, uh, wouldn't work here um, the same. And American Church wouldn't work there the same. Um, and I do think that you need to spend money on some things that are going to seem superfluous if you want, um, this, this is going to sound like, you know, what do you call it? Seeker friendly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But if you, uh, this is such a fine line, like how much is too much, but if you want to be a church that feels welcoming to someone who's never been to church before, you are going to have to spend money on some things that I would have as an 18 year old thought were, self-indulgent yeah i think we've talked about this too before we're, we're not yet off on a rapid trail but we've talked about barriers to entry when it comes to church like mm -hmm. what an outside person is going to look for if they go to church and i'm not i'm not saying that church should be geared towards the unsaved but i'm saying that church should be geared towards unsaved people being okay going there in the sense of like, don't compromise the gospel. Don't don't water down your sermons. Don't you know, say give them this sort of easy believism. But like, if a if a lost person comes into your door and you don't have childcare, yeah, like like in some sense of how the American church does uh, outreach, like this is a bad this is a bad first first foot like. I think about Paul when he goes he goes to the Aeropolis or whatever. Like he talks about the other gods. Like he incorporates other cultures in, in the way that he spreads the gospel. I, and I think that churches need to be aware. Like if we are going if we are going to encourage our members, which I encourage my youth to invite non-believers to church and say, "Hey, see why this is different. See why see." See why we do this. I think, you know, we need to be aware of what our churches look like. Yeah. 
and uh, I get some pushback from that, but more or less fine with it, obviously. Well, the the church that I went to, the same church I was describing before, and the church that I ended up becoming a member of and attending for for what like seven more years, um, and really. Um, it was my church home and I appreciated it so much for a long time after I was able to get past some of those things. Um, they had a huge Christmas production, like separate from their church service. They did it like three times. I think, um, cost a ton of money. The light show was spectacular. Like the, the amount of, um, sound equipment that they had to use. Um, they had an orchestra, um, I mean, it was a, a big, a big production with a big budget. Um, but we would have, I mean, tons of people that were not church members come because, you know, people, for one, it was entertaining. Um, and two, people want to make an appearance at church during Christmas, I think. Like, American people still have that sort of, like, they associate church um, with, like, the nostalgia of Christmas in some ways. So... Uh, people would show up at church because you go to church at Christmas and they would come to this production. And then I really do think, I don't have the numbers, obviously. It's not like I was, you know, privy to that information. But um, I would assume there's a big turnaround. Like if you're going to visit a church later, it's going to be the one that you went to that cool Christmas production at, you know. So, and I think that's an example of how American churches can do outreach, Um especially for the community that they were in, like a, a more affluent part of Birmingham. Um, I think that really worked for them. But that's one of those things I was critical of at first and then came to understand later. Yes. Um, so you're talking about, what, Christmas in the country, Union Hill Baptist Church? <laughs> that's, another, that's another good example, but that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> um, so we're on the 30-minute mark right now. And I don't want... I don't want American church to think that we're bashing American church. Yeah. I just want us to see see some of the see some of the pitfalls that we might see from our missionaries that come back overseas and what we can learn from other churches. So I think at this point my question for you is what does the American church get right? Um let's see. I don't want my hesitation to seem like I don't, oh. I don't think they did anything right. I oh. just wasn't. I just hadn't thought through this question ahead of time. Um, what ahead of time? We don't. Here, here's the sound of our notes. <laughs> um, well, I do think there's a lot more. There's more strategy in American churches than I've seen in a lot of churches overseas. Um, just, just in my experience, like. And I think that comes with having full-time paid staff, which that was at none of the churches that I, that I went to overseas. It was just kind of a, you know, a gathering of believers. And like I said, in Cyprus, it was very transient. So um, you didn't have that sort of organized strategic approach to doing evangelism that you see in American churches. Um, so yeah, the, the planning is just very impressive to me that I've seen it in a lot of American churches and the amount of effort put into making sure visitors do feel welcome. Um, I really appreciate because I've visited a, a lot of churches. <laughs> something, something 
talking about the planning, something that we can say is like thanks to Southern Baptist churches all over the United States, like we, you have a job. I, I, you and I both have a job, and I get to go to school to learn yeah. more about the gospel. Well, that's um, yeah. On a on a small picture, like just within each church, like I said, but on a big picture, we have a convention. We have a network of churches, and I haven't seen in the places that I lived that that did not exist. So, um, the strategy and the community that you have between churches is just incredible. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it, you know, in churches. In a, in a way, churches produce Christians, and I've, I've met a lot of friends, uh, a lot of people that I have conversations with, a lot of people that have, you know, questions, that ask some questions within the community of, you know, big in church that exists, and they go to, like, talking about networks, they go to other churches, go to other places, like, Corey and I, we go to different churches, but because of our church's training and our, and our church's efforts, like, we do a podcast together, there, there are people on the internet that I only know through the internet, but thanks to their churches training and their effort that they put into into their members, like we get to share ideas. I think I think American Christianity does a does a good job at fostering a community among churches of, among members of churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have I have no problem having a conversation with a Presbyterian or a Methodist, and they don't have. Presbyterians and you know Reformed Baptists have no problem with having a conversation with me, and we can sit down and break bread. And I think we do a really good job at fostering that unity, if I can say so mm-hmm. myself. Um, I think American churches do a really good job of uh, teaching children. And that's something that I didn't see a lot of. I, yeah, you didn't ask me to make a question like bash one or it's not either or haha <laughs> <laughs> overseas churches but no i think uh i think american churches do on the whole a good job of teaching children that's a a big emphasis that um is not an emphasis everywhere so you could take take it for granted until you go somewhere else and you see like they don't have children's programs or they have children's programs but it's basically daycare you know so the fact that we have not just curriculum, but we have curriculum to choose between, and then um, we have a lot of really passionate children's teachers and programs and ministers, and that's amazing. Okay, so we don't we don't hate the American church. We're we're pretty mm-hmm. thankful for it for paying your salary uh, and paying my my minimum wage salary. Shout out to Dr. Butler. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's about it. Do you have anything you want to say before we get off the air? Um, what time are we gonna get to Sunday school? Uh, what did you say? Twenty three minutes after we said. Yeah, it takes you twenty three minutes to get ready. I want you to t- time yourself in the morning. It y'all, it does not. I, I get ready really fast. Compared comparatively speaking, uh, to someone that's slow. Like, compared okay, what, to an invalid, you get ready really What fast. time do we get to church on average? 9.30. Is it really 9.30? Yes. Okay, it might take me 27 minutes or 23 minutes or whatever you say. It can't be 9.30. What time do you think we got to church? I really thought we got there at like 9.15 or 9.40. No. No, we, we walked, yes, last week was one of the fastest times. One of the fastest times for us to get 
out of his, the house, right? I thought it was later. Than <laughs> we, walked, we walked out at 9.08. We okay. got to church at 9.18. I will fully admit that I am delusional about how long things take. I, I didn't worse. say how long it takes me to get ready. I just am admitting that sometimes I look at the clock and I think that it's been five minutes and it's actually been 20. I don't know which one's worse. Except for getting ready, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to time it. I feel like I flip-flopped like six times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, calm down. Uh, <laughs> politician A, whatever. We can't say his name? I don't know who flip-flopped. I just, I was looking for a joke, didn't have one. Oh, uh, that was, that was the joke about John Kerry when I was in college. Okay. But yeah, good now, job, John Kerry. Now I sat, now, I don't I sound old. Yeah, I was in I was in middle ago. school. You were not. You were only a sophomore in high school. Um, okay, last thing I want to say. Um, hmm, I had something and I lost it. Um, that was good. Yeah. Um, American church. Uh, I I have loved experiencing um, believers in every country, and it is really cool to me that we are all um, connected. And so I love I love meeting believers in different countries and knowing that they're all my brothers and sisters in Christ. That is just incredible to me. That's good. I'll close on that. Okay, guys. And uh, that is our episode of Schrodinger's Tulip. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Tulip. You can find us on Facebook at Schrodinger's Tulip. We have a Facebook page. Go give us a like. Also, follow us on iTunes. And if you feel inclined, give us a five-star rating. And the more five-star ratings we get, the less Corey Barnes will get, the more Becca Wood will get. Or Becca Wood. Whoa! Surprise, guys. Uh, The more Becca Phillips will get. Uh, Stay tuned. Uh, Also, later this week, we will have Zach Diener on for another working title episode. If you can come up with something witty, that has anything to do with flowers. Me and Zach would love to name the the broadcast that we do under the Schrodinger's Tulip banner. Until next week, um, yeah, there's nothing that Armenian really says. We don't have Semper Reformata except for the soteriology part. Thank you. (laughs)